0: Good morning everybody and welcome to another episode of Obsidian Achievement. This is your host, Michael Russin. Happy Sunday, the Lord's Day. Thank you for joining me today. It's a beautiful, beautiful finally. Just such a gorgeous morning here in Maine. Um, if you haven't visited Maine, um, I would definitely I would definitely make it a point at some point. Def, I would say summer or early fall, late summer, like now, between now and maybe mid September, or, or come out early fall, maybe like the first week of October. I wouldn't stay in Portland. Uh, if you've been a listener, you know what I'm talking about. I'd find a cabin somewhere like east of Portland, or you know, there's there's a lot of like little lake towns because there's a lot of lakes. There's when you look at a map topographical well no topographical is elevation but if you look like a look at a map a map of maine you'll see not only is it a you know obviously a city that borders the ocean or a state that borders the ocean but there's a lot of lakes there's a lot of um rivers and there's a lot of water and it's just beautiful it's a very wooded state it's very green i can remember when i first moved here um i'd never visit i'd never been in maine We literally got the house (coughs) got the office downtown and i just showed up and hoped that they were both here and real and that our deposits went to the right places you know Uh, but i can remember driving into maine and being like man it's so green uh the woods are very dense there's a lot of pine so it stays green year-round so winters are quite pretty here um but i would come late summer or i mean early you want to come late summer now, if we had a summer like we had last summer, you could come anytime. Um, but it's it's a very pretty state. Um, but it's 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 just a gorgeous morning here. Uh, I'm hoping that you guys, together with me, can help me work something out. Or rather, I'll just be working this out myself through prayer and thought, deep thought and reflection. Yeah, you know, my my first question to you is, how much deep thinking do you do? Or are you just running on autopilot all the time? People rarely think. We don't have to think anymore. Everything's right at our fingertips with our phones, you know? Um, but I recorded two episodes yesterday, and I deleted them both. <coughs> and I woke up this morning, and I was going to record one, and I just kind of stopped and just calmed down, and I spent some time with God. And uh, I have, it's, it's an anxiety about the way things are going in the world. So they have this new bill in Maine where you can get in trouble for making somebody feel scared with your words, like that's gonna take an effect in October. It's controlling freedom of speech. There's a lot of talk now, it's gaining steam, uh, that they're gonna try COVID lockdowns, a, a leak from the TSA and a leak from Border Patrol. It's suggested that they're gonna to try to start Bringing masks back to airports and things like that in the winter—it's flu season, so they're going to take advantage of that. And it's—it's—it's um, uh, it's, it's an anxiety for me that immediately turns to anger because. It's such a, you know, it's it's just the, the government is ruining our lives. You know, I think, what do I, if I'm lucky, I've got 80 years on this planet. And the government stole two years from all of us already. It just kind of, I mean, even three or, I mean, the, the government with this COVID nonsense destroyed so many lives. Yeah, people died, but like... <laughs> a ninety-nine percent survival rate. You know what I mean. Um, government destroyed businesses, destroyed lives, and I think they're going to try to do it again. And what I'm trying to rely on is hope. I'm hoping that all of you listening to me, and I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that more people, and I, I do believe that more people now. Uh, if they try this lockdown nonsense, this mask nonsense again, that people will take a stand against it and won't comply. I know that there's many, many people that will. But all we need is, we don't need a whole lot of non-compliance. You get 20 to 30% non-compliance. That's a massive number of people uh, non-compliant with this. Whereas the first round, it was maybe 5%. You know, there, was very, there was really a very small remnant of people that were truly non-compliant with uh, measures. And I'll tell you right now, I, pro- I I swear to you, all of you listening to me right now, I don't care what needs to be done, but if they bring masks back to airports, I won't fly, ever. I will not fly, not unless I can charter a jet. I don't care if i got to go to Texas, I'll drive. I'll drive 18 hours. I do not care. Flying right now is, an, is a nightmare anyways. But, uh, you know, I, I won't ever wear a mask again. I told my wife when we went for the ultrasound the other day, I said, are they still doing masks in the hospital? And she's like, I don't think so. I'm like, I've just let you know now, babe. I, you know that I love you and I'm here to support you, but if you we get to the hospital and they ask us to mask up, you're going into that ultrasound, or you, we're not alone, or we're not going in at all. <laughs> um, I will never wear a mask again. It's not happening. It's not happening. It's a matter of principle. And I don't want to get off on a tangent on on all this. This The the point of what I want to talk about with all of you today is I wrestle with my duty as a Christian man. And there's so many different camps. There's camps that believe, you know, Christians should be heavily involved in politics and in governments. There's other camps that think that we should try to influence politics and governments but not be directly involved. And then there's camps that think we should be completely separate. Uh, that there should be no that we should just do the good that we do in the world as a church body and have no influence or control over government and politics. And I don't know I, I want to be more on the side that we control things. You know I look at monarchies, Christian monarchies that were stood for hundreds of years and I just I don't know it's 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 something that I have to, under the guidance of a spiritual counselor who is far wiser, older uh, and closer to God than I which I'm still actively seeking I don't have uh, my dad you know would be at the top of the list but other than my dad I don't have you know I don't have a pastor I don't have a priest I had a pretty difficult decision to make last week and uh, you know uh, the guy that was helping facilitate this decision-making process was like go talk to your priest I'm like I don't really have one (laughs) You know, um, we're kind of in between. We found a church, um, and this is something that my wife and I are wrestling with right now. Um, You know, I I really like this small community of believers. They're all 70 or older. Um, It's tough on Geneva because there's no, like, real nursery. So when when Ada fusses, she has to sit in this dark room by herself in the back of the church. Um, You know, there's no other kids in the church. We're the youngest couple there by far. Um, which, you know, that's not a reason to not want to be in a church. I love being around older people, and there's a lot of wisdom in that church. and uh, But there are just a few things that have been, you know, they had a couple speak to us last week uh, who were married. The guy was a widower, uh, but the wife was divorced. And if you're going to have, you know, Jesus puts it pretty plainly that if you, I don't know, maybe there was adultery in that situation, could have been. But uh, I don't know the situation. Just it's it's if you have a divorced couple, a divor- a divorced woman who's remarried preaching. I don't know. It's just very, very difficult. Uh, it's just this. I'm not going to get into all that. Oh these people are going to church. Look at them, suit and tie and all. Um. I don't, the point of all this is this. I'm going to get to my. I'm going to get to my point. What is my job as a Christian man in today's society? What do I do? When does violence become uh, a tool? You know, I'm not talking about, you know, going out and, and offensively committing acts of violence. It's like, at what point do you need to violently defend yourself, your rights, what you believe in? You know like i know this is extreme but what if someday they start mandating vaxxes and they start going house to house like you're gonna get the jab or or else you know do you put a shotgun slug through all their chests when they show up you know what i mean What's uh, what what, what pointer do you just uh, you, uh, that's what i struggle with so if i'm let's take that extreme example i'm a christian man I've got kids you know let's just say my other child is born at this point I'm a Christian man with a wife and two kids we're out on the woods minding our own business and we get a knock at the door at some government officials in white lab coats saying hey we're here to give you your government mandated COVID-19 variant ethos cribbly giblet variant vaccinations you must get these, or we're shutting down your bank accounts, we're taking your kids, blah, 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 blah. You know, something like that happens. How do I respond as a Christian man? Do I kill those people? (laughs) You know what I mean? Try to take my kids? I mean, I would, I'd say if it comes to having your children taken from you, yeah, violence is 100% the answer. You know, does that make me a murderer? Do I need to repent of murder? If I kill these people that come to my house trying to take my kids? Because I won't get them jabbed with mRNA gene therapy, that's stopping young people's hearts all over the world. You know, I read through the Old Testament, and the men of old in the Old Testament were warriors you know, and they took lives. And, uh, but you look at New Testament, and the apostles were pacifists, but I don't know that they were ever, you know, they didn't really have families, so just a couple of them did, but, you know, like Paul wasn't married, didn't have kids, John the Baptist wasn't married, didn't have kids, you know, I just, I, I kind of wonder, like, what's, what is my job, and you guys listening to me, what is our job in this world, because what I don't like is the camp of people that are just like, oh, Jesus! you see it in comment sections. Middle-aged white lady from Texas, you know, with the big beehive haircut. Jesus, please come back. Jesus, please come back. Well, she's coming back, I'm not mocking that. I'm mocking that sentiment of, well, I'm gonna sit on my hands and just wait for Jesus to come back, you know? I don't know. Uh, so this is this is something that I wrestle with, and I've found as I've, I'm on a constant quest to learn myself. I'm on a constant quest to learn myself because if you, you know, the way I look at it is if there's no enemy within, the enemy outside can do you no harm, right? And I take that a couple different ways. There's a couple different ways to interpret that, but the one way I interpret that is. If I have definiteness of purpose, and I know exactly how I'm supposed to act in every situation, it removes a massive amount of anxiety for me. Where I experience the deepest levels of anxiety in my life are when I don't know what to do. Because if you know me well, you know I almost always know exactly what needs to be done. My wife has seen this time and time again, having been with me now for, what, nine years, ten years? He was, yeah, almost 10, probably coming up on 10 years next summer. So nine years. So my wife has seen me for nine years handle a multitude of uh, precarious situations with ease. Seemingly with ease. You know, she's sound asleep in bed and I'm laying facing the other direction staring at the wall wide-eyed. Like, God, shit, what am I going to do now? Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's my job as a man. My job as a man is to like figure it out. That's my job. That's why I have very little to no patience for people who I don't know what to do. You know, it's just you figure it out, man. You know, just figure it out. Pick a direction and go. I think that's the. I think that's what separates super high achievers from normal people. Is normal people will stand at the fork of the road for years. Oh, I don't know what I should do. Oh, you maybe this, maybe. That. Whereas super high achievers just pick a direction and go. You know what I mean? And often, <laughs> what you'll find is that right, left, or right in that fork doesn't matter. It's better than standing there in the middle, you know? <laughs> that at least you're moving forward. But that, I struggle with that um, immensely when I don't know exactly what to do. So I have a lot of anxiety. Right now, when I think about the world, it's like this big blob that I can't, it's like a Rubik's cube that you can't spin the. Every time you, it's like for me, for me this is what it is. It's a Rubik's cube that most times, even if I'm not twisting things the right way, I can force them through brute force into place. <laughs> That's how I've lived a lot of my life. Is while well, I might not fully understand how to solve the Rubik's cube. I can rip corners out and put them back into the right place so that it all it all fits together you know i could just by brute sheer will i could force things to work but the problem with the world and little old me is it just it's like a rubik's cube that complicates itself every time you turn a turn one of the i don't know what you want to call it squares right So I go, I make three turns on the Rubik's Cube and then it runs this algorithm that makes it complicated again and just becomes even more complicated. It's like, Like, what do I do? What do I do? I don't understand this thing in front of me. It's complicating itself on top of complicating itself. Now, how is this to be solved? And that's the way I look at the situation in the world. And sometimes, When I look at that, it's not only massively complicated, but it's also so huge, I can't move it. You know, sometimes it looks really big. Like I'm standing at the foot of a massive skyscraper, but it's my Rubik's Cube. I just don't like things that I can't exert control over. It's very difficult for me. And maybe the lesson in this for me is you can't control everything, Michael. But, you know, I don't feel I feel a certain amount of peace saying Okay, I trust in God God's going to get the job done But I also have to balance that with I feel like I'm supposed to do something You know, so I don't want to just sit here And be like, ah, it's in God's hands Praise Jesus Which, yes, it's in God's hands Praise Jesus But I don't want to just sit here And not do anything You know, I I don't believe That's what I'm called to do Is sit on my hands So if you guys feel similarly, I'd love to talk to you about this. So hit me up. Fine, right, I'm going to get a lift in Sunday, church day. Love you guys. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.